I really want to change the art industry. I really want to be associated with the fine artists icons, the Picassos, the Warhols, the Fridas, you know, and I'm like, one, I always ask myself, yeah, there is, it's very ambitious because I'm also just like, why the f- not? Hi, I'm Matt McKee, and welcome to Cherry Bomb the Podcast, a series of conversations with people about food, art, and sustainability. Today, I'm speaking over Zoom with Aramis Hamer, an amazing artist with boundless positivity and energy in Seattle, Washington. This episode is sponsored by Here Be Dragons, one of my sweet blasts at theartofmattmckee.com. I created Sweet Blast series of photos with the mission to start conversations in the room about the bigger topics of art, food, and of course, sustainability. This podcast is the companion piece to that project where I get to share with you some of the discussions that Sweet Blast has inspired. You can browse prints from the Sweet Blast collection and others at theartofmattmckee.com. Please share this episode to your Facebook, Twitter, and all your social media so your friends can listen and join the conversation. Aramis, I really appreciate you taking time to come on the show. We were originally trying to meet up when I was out in Seattle back in July, but you are an extremely busy person. You know, I think I was in Chicago at that point. But first of all, thank you, Matt. Thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to to speak with you. I'm not a fan of the word busy because I feel like we almost wear busy as this like badge of honor, you know, like, oh, I'm just so busy, you know. (laughs) (laughs) This summer was my most packed summer by far. My husband and I just bought our first home. I saw that Um, on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) His sister had had her first baby. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. My best friend from Chicago, she got married. I was her matron of honor. So like literally it felt like everybody from 2020, the pandemic, they were waiting, waiting, waiting. And then 2021 came, the world opened up a little bit and then boom, like everybody was having events, having babies moving. So (laughs) thank you for your patience. I'm happy to finally be speaking with you. Well, my pleasure. My pleasure. As we were talking beforehand, I was originally introduced to your artwork by Anthony White, another fantastic Seattle artist who you just told me has won a very prestigious award. And I was blown away with your work by the positivity and the energy. I mean, the power in your work is just really amazing to me. And then I went down the rabbit hole of social media and started looking through the volumes of content that you have out there. Mm -hmm. It became very obvious to me that you are much more than just another painter. You are also a teacher, an entrepreneur, an advocate, a consummate marketer, an influencer. I'm, I'm not even really sure And I've gone over these notes about a thousand times where to start this interview. And then I saw you recently did an artist talk about your recent show at the Bellevue Art Museum. And can you tell me a little bit about where your work is at? Yeah, first of all, thank you for acknowledging (laughs) all that I do. I think what's interesting for us to be having this conversation right now, I'm struggling with the same thing as well. Like, how do I even define myself? I do so many things, which I think art, like independent and full-time professional artists, we do, right? Like we almost have to do all the things, you Mm -hmm. know? We actually just recently uninstalled that show. Mm. I had the pleasure of hanging my work at Bellevue Art Museum, thanks to Tarika Waters, who was the curator of that show. So she owns, actually, I think at this point, it's the only Black-owned gallery in Seattle, if I'm correct, She also was one of the Betty Bowen Special Recognition Award winners. She recently won the Nettie Award. Tarika Waters is amazing and like a huge mentor of mine. I just, I absolutely love her. So (laughs) 
so ecstatic that she even like invited me to, to be a part of that show. It's down now. The show is called Yellow Number Five. I had three large scale pieces in that. So those were huge acrylic painting pieces. Mm. I think Chocolate Milk was by far my biggest stretch canvas piece, which was crazy. We actually installed that show in November 2020. It was so much going on. And yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Tough Tough time to be trying to have some sense of normalcy and feel like you could put a message out there and have it be received because I'd noticed from my own work during that stretch of time, I wasn't working. I would think about projects and things like that. And it just didn't feel like what I was saying was going to be something that I really even wanted to talk about at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. First of all, you, you said chocolate milk was one of your bigger pieces on stretched canvas. How big was it? Uh, she was pretty much 10 feet by 10 feet. Holy cow. Yeah. Wow. Give or take a few inches. But you know, I paint on unstretched canvas. I paint on canvas roll. So I was able to roll that piece up, take it to Bellevue Art Museum. A shout out to my husband, Andy. He he built the frame and and then the installation team helped. So Justin was there helping. It was a journey, but I can definitely relate to you when you talk about just not sure if that's even the work you want to put out, especially when the world is like going through so much, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I, I feel like I'm struggling with that now. It's like, what do we even say? You know, like everything just feels so almost like irrelevant or superficial or like, I don't know. It's just it just feels like there's so much going on where it's hard to be like, hey, look at my painting. It's like, OK, there's hurricane, you know, there's war. Like, it's just I'm, exactly. I'm really in that I'm in that space right now. I just want to say you, you aren't alone. <laughs> I, I appreciate like, that. I really appreciate that. You actually started out talking about chocolate milk when you were describing the show in your video that you had posted. We're going to be posting her YouTube and all her social media in the show notes. Definitely something to check out. You started talking about chocolate milk, the piece, and the different symbolism within the piece. And I was drawn to it. It's a beautiful and amazingly deep piece. Over my time, I've seen a lot of different art pieces. And there's, you know, there's pretty pictures. And then there's the ones that you keep looking back at, and you see something new every time. And it was actually, I think the third time when I actually saw it during your video, where I was like, you started describing the rift that is in Mm -hmm. the background of your piece. Now, first of all, you have a heroine, it feels like she comes up a lot, unicorn and an archetype that's within your pieces. Can you describe her a little bit? You know what's funny? I thought you were talking about Beyonce, okay? <laughs> because that's the queen for me. But um, understand, understand. A lot of my work is, as you know, inspired by divine femininity, and it's just really like this archetype of this powerful woman who knows who she is, but she's also not afraid. I'm speaking to myself as I'm speaking to you, Matt, <laughs> because I feel like I'm kind of needing some of these messages right now. Mm-hmm in a space where I'm dancing in between the fine art space being in museums, but twerking on Instagram and still having my like YouTube channel, kind of dancing in these two worlds. I always struggle, like, should I use less color? Should I do more monochromatic? Should it be black and white? It just doesn't resonate with me. Mm -hmm. What resonates with me is color, vibrancy, positivity, energy, the cosmos. So I just continuously reaffirm myself that you are perfect the way you are. And I think I just channel that archetype 
in the paintings that I create of these unicorn, colorful goddesses. She's purple. She's blue. She, you know, she has crystal finger, you know, like all, <laughs> all the different things. I'm just trying to create a world that I want to see and just create a space where I feel confident to exist in. Mm-hmm. When you see so many images in museums that don't look like you at all or don't resonate at all or are just mm-hmm. like, what are you trying to say? Like, what does this even mean? <laughs> you know, it was so relevant in the 1600s, but is how exactly. is it relating to what we're dealing exactly. with? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm just I'm trying to have something that has this like fresh take, but it's still timeless. You know, something mm-hmm. that's still timeless and something that like resonates with my existence today. OK. First of all, you had said something about, you know, you're working in the fine art space and you're going into museums, but you also got the Instagram, but you're also on your website and through Instagram, pins and scarves and pillows, prints, as well as the paintings themselves. So you have yet another hat that you're wearing, which is that of the business person and self-promoter. Yep. I was talking with somebody earlier today about building communities, how the younger artists, and I'm using that term as I'm at least 15 years older than you are and, and came up in a different You're world. You're so young. Oh, thank we you. are young. Look, we- <laughs> <laughs> I'm young at heart. I, I still have the heart of an 18-year-old and the brain of a 14-year-old. You've built a community, 17,000 followers on Instagram, 3,000 plus followers on YouTube, and you have a Patreon page, which I will also link to in the show notes. And you're constantly working to build the community and share so much of yourself. Is that a product of how you grew up or, you know, your generation versus my generation, which is admittedly only a couple of generations past? Honestly, Matt, it's not because I I feel like like my community knows me as somebody who's open, honest, transparent. I want to peel back even another layer. Oh, wow. That other layer is that it's a lot of work. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's a lot to even be able to do this. So speaking of like pins and scarves, like some of that stuff, I'm actually stopping soon. Like, Oh, wow. This is my last year of doing a lot of that because I really want to focus my work on one community, but also something that like allows me more time to create my work. Because in that I found myself losing myself, running the business, doing the marketing, editing YouTube videos, you know, so Mm -hmm. like. I'm living this right now as we speak, like I'm making changes. So it's always interesting whenever I hear positive feedback about all the things that I'm doing, because I think people see it because I see it. I'm like, oh, okay. I can't tell you how many people have asked me to start a podcast. I can't even tell you that. Okay. But so it's like, I see it and I I look up to these people. I'm like, oh, okay. So-and-so has a YouTube channel. They have a Patreon okay, like maybe I should do pins. Maybe I should do, you know what I mean? It's like, we all are subject to the same level of comparison. We're all subject Mm -hmm. to the same level of like trying to figure out what they should do based on what somebody else is doing. Mm -hmm. What my community has reminded me and to continue to affirm me and is that they want to see me create art. All the other stuff is really fluff, you know? Okay. But... (laughs) It's also what I've learned and why I'm still doing a lot of what I'm doing, because it's also helping me bridge the gap between me and my community. They're able to see me on a whole nother light. They're able to learn too. Like there's so many people commented on my canvas video. They learned so much how to stretch a canvas and how to use canvas rolls. So I'm learning this because of my patrons, like my Patreon community 
are amazing. And the more my Patreon grows, it's giving me more room to feel like, okay, I don't have to sell $10 pins in order to pay my studio rent. I can really commit the time and build the relationships with my community while still having time to paint, which is what I really want to do and not have to worry about if somebody didn't get their pin or, oh, (laughs) their scarf got lost in the mail. Like running a business will deal with customer service. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You you still get the emails like, hey, like, you know, this is late. And so I actually just hired a studio assistant, Alicia. She's actually a patron. She's amazing. (laughs) So she's been helping me ship out stuff. And I just want to be even more honest about the level of work that it takes to create art, to be a YouTuber, to create content, to also ship out products and inventory to customers and clients where I'm starting to realize that I don't have to do as much. And I'm really just trying to focus on quality over quantity. Makes good sense. When I was first starting out way back, uh, this is now 40 years ago, I ran into the same kind of thing where I thought I was the lone photographer, the lone wolf going out and I had to carry my own bags and I had to schlep them up three flights of stairs to where we're doing the photo shoot. I got, you know, so out of breath from trying Mm -hmm. to do all these different things and then staying up late and doing marketing and accounting and then cleaning the bathrooms. And it's a lot to do. Yep. I feel you. You know, what's interesting. I feel myself feeling like there's another pivot happening. Mm. So there's another digital pivot that's happening that's making me relate to even the older community more where they feel like, oh, this is different from how they grew up. So it's like now I'm like millennial, right? But then you have Gen, what is it, Z or X or Y, whatever they're calling it. (laughs) So I'm just like, ooh, okay, it's another generation. Oh, okay. So now there's TikTok. Do I need to do the TikTok? Oh, and, oh the, and now, now there's digital art and now there's yeah. NFTs. And, you know, so yeah. like now it's this whole nother digital space where I'm not familiar with and it's causing me to learn again, which is exciting because I, I consider myself to be a, a constant learner, just like a mm-hmm. constant student, but it can definitely be overwhelming for sure. Absolutely. Adam Savage called it, you need to be a serial skill collector. Yep. I agree with them completely. Mm -hmm. What I gathered from your videos, you know, you started out, you were a nurse, but you had Mm -hmm. done art in high school and performances and things like that, which I thought that was kind of interesting. You were doing performances and now you're a de facto performer on YouTube and uh, things of that nature. Yeah. But at some point you decided to make that transition from doing art as the secondary thing to do on the side to it becoming the primary thing to actually taking over from the nursing. Yeah. First of all, what caused that transition? And then how did you start to build that community? I was a fresh new grad in Chicago. That's actually where I'm from. So I was 21 years old, you know, bright eyed, bushy tail, ready to save the world. (laughs) Yep. Rose colored glasses were ripped off. Like I got some serious rude awakenings being a nurse in our Western healthcare systems. This was 2011. So I'm 32 now. This was 2011 when I graduated college and when I got my first job in critical care. Wow. It was really intense. It was really intense. And I started to see patterns 
I felt this, like everybody just felt desensitized. So like I was living through this world, just so empathetic, like this open wound, like, mm. like receiving everything. And I, and I hadn't built up those calluses yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was just raw, you know, just oh, wow, like, wow. And I was just seeing like all these other, he just died down the hall. Like, is everybody okay? Like I need to leave. <laughs> I was feeling like, <laughs> I'm like, can I go home? Like, are, are we not mourning right now? You know? That is a and, very and tough world. Just, they just was like, you know, like life as usual. Like, okay, keep it, keep yeah. it going. And I'm like, okay, I and I get it, right? After you've seen this for 10, 20 years, you're like, okay, I'm kind of over it at this point. But I was a new grad and I wasn't yeah. used to seeing that. And I was just like, I need something different. And I also felt like we weren't helping in the way that I thought would be best. Mm. Learned about naturopathic medicines. I'm as hippie as they come, the tree huggers, <laughs> all the things. So I was like, let me go where my tree hugging clan is. That's the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah, learned about Bastier, uh, came out here to study naturopathic medicine. But in the midst of that, I met so many incredible artists. Mm. And then that started me on the journey of, you know, meeting artists and knowing that in the same time, I'm just creating as my own personal art therapy. Uh, but meeting those artists gave me that inspiration that maybe I could be a professional artist. Funny, I was scrolling through my Instagram and I scrolled all the way back. It was October 22nd, 2013 is when I posted that now my website is officially live. Oh, wow. Yes. And I remember I was on WordPress and I strongly disliked it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I need to, this is too much for me. But yeah, so 2013, was when I actually started my first website, but I started to build a community through festivals. Okay. Festivals and fairs, art shows in person. It was just a notebook, piece of paper and a pen. I had people write their email list down and I started to build my newsletter. Okay. So that was my first way of building my community. It wasn't on Instagram first. I think I would have to say it was those in-person art festivals. It always seems to me for myself, the business side, it's networking. It's, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. And face-to-face, -face, I was starting to wonder if it was just my generation was wanting to be face-to-face, -face, but it seems like everybody just seems to find more success when they're able to have a conversation face-to-face. -face. There's a filter that's missing at that point that filters out stuff too easily where you get to miss nuance. A hundred percent. You know, I felt that way and I still kind of feel that way. I'm also having so many incredible experiences digitally. Mm. Even this moment here, right? I was telling you that I had went to Chicago for my best friend's wedding. She had a surprise proposal. Like her, her fiance had proposed to her. It was like all planned. Like her mom was involved, her cousins, like everybody oh, wow. was planning it. And so I was in Seattle at that point, but her mom had called me. So she had it set up where it, it was going to be like this game night, right? And this is when he was going to propose to her. Oh, and man. so she had all of Kiera's family on a Zoom call who were in Seattle, who were in Sacramento, who was in Atlanta, who was in Europe. Like we were all able to watch him get down on one knee and propose <laughs> to her. I was crying <laughs> like I was yeah. there. Oh, you know, gosh. I was just like, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like it was right. it was so amazing. And I'm like, you know what? As we're getting more into these digital spaces, I just want to become more open. I'm like, you know what? Mm. I'm still have the same visceral experiences that I'm having with people. I still want to have those like face to face, which we're having now, right? Yeah. 
How can I make those experiences? So that's through YouTube. That's through live streams with my Patreon community. That's through like Zoom hangout sessions. I feel you though. I'm trying to embrace the newness because it's yep. here to stay. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. My kids who are now 19 and 22, they tell me, dad, get with the times all the time. Let me walk my statement back slightly and just say it's easier when you're face-to-face with somebody, but mm-hmm. certainly to get everyone together who's mm-hmm. you know across the country or across the world even, you can't do that easily unless you're doing it digitally these days. For sure. For sure. You know what's crazy? Have you seen those versus battles on Instagram? So Swiss Beats puts together like two artists who are singers or like rappers, and they'll kind of quote unquote battle. Okay these like versus battles. So they'll have like, I think he had like Ashanti versus Keisha Cole, just like famous artists. He did Erica Badu versus Jill Scott. And so they had this live concert going on pretty much via Instagram. He pretty much like broke Instagram at one point. (laughs) There were so many views. It was like a million people tuning in for these live stream concerts on Instagram that it was like breaking the internet. It was so historic and amazing. And I'm like, wow, there's really no physical venue that can house that many people. It's like you're able to reach so many people digitally. I think what's cool about digital spaces is that it's making the unscalable scalable. That's an interesting statement. Yeah. The other side of that coin is the audience side. The people who may never have been exposed to these people are able to find their tribe, basically. And 100%. Find, yeah. 100%. I'm pretty excited. In the midst of me being fighting it, I'm like, okay, <laughs> you got to adapt. Just yep. adapt. Yep. I'm trying to stay fresh myself. Mm-hmm. You've been giving so much good advice to creatives and to influencers and to people starting out, as well as people who have been in the business for 20 plus years, what do you wish you knew when you started? That is a really good question. Like the first thing that came to my mind Mm -hmm. is when you asked, I was like, oh, I wish I knew that I could do whatever I want. But now that I think about it, I was doing whatever I want, Mm -hmm. you know? And I still am. And the longer that I've been in this creative profession, I think the more that I'm starting to overthink it. Sometimes I wish I could peel the layers back. It's like, okay, see, now you're trying to be fancy. Like, keep it how you were doing it. Keep it raw, real, and fun. You feel like now I'm trying to like, I'm like, oh, okay, this fit the brand. Mm-hmm. Stop overthinking it. Like literally in the very beginning, I was just making random stuff that felt good for me. Yep. And now I'm thinking about art residencies and applications and grants and proposals. And I'm trying to like build a collection. And so I'm thinking about, okay, what would the judges want to see? Like, what do they want? You know? And I'm like, Mm. that's not who you are. Like do what feels good for you. And I think what helped me in the beginning is that I didn't know anything, you know, like that, what is it called? That like novice. Yeah. You don't know. Beginners look, you just out there. And now I've learned so much. It's making me overthink I have a mug that says that actually. Really? (laughs) Hold on. Let me overthink this. For real. Man, you're overthinking again, Mm -hmm. sis. And in the beginning, I felt like I was 100% me and I'm trying to get back to her. And like, I still am, right? Like people see me and they're like, oh, you're just you. I am just me, but I'm almost fighting to be just me. Constantly trying to overcome the internal dialogue of me overthinking. 
And so her little overthinking mind will continue to overthink. And then my like real and raw authentic self will be like, girl, do you? And I'm like, okay, you right. You right, you right, you right. But it's a constant conversation. Constant conversation. Putting on my dad hat for a moment, I think that is very much what goes through my head as well. Mm. We know more now. And we know the impact that we have. We can think through consequences in ways like when my kids were much younger and they'd be, you know, watch me, daddy, I'm going to jump my bike off the picnic table. No, 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 right, no, the consequences. We need to overthink to a certain extent, but at the same time, you can't let that impact your authenticity. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I've been in like a rough patch recently. And I think that's because I've been consuming more than I've been creating. I never do that. Like my mantra is to create over consumption, period, point blank. Like you always put more out than you're taking in. And so I've been behind on my YouTube uploads. So I've been watching more YouTube and it's like, okay, no, if you aren't contributing to the multiverse, you are being sucked in by it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I have to make sure that I'm creating more than I'm consuming because whenever the balance is off, that's when I start to overthink. That's when I start to compare myself. That's when I'm like, oh, well, she had this sort of editing style Mm -hmm. or, oh, she painted this. You looking at other people too much. Mm -hmm. What did you put out? What did you create? And what did you contribute? And that's what helps me. Okay. So let's tangent just a little bit down that rabbit hole. I have to use rabbit hole once an episode for my wife. Um, okay. <laughs> I love rabbit holes. I'll stay, I'll stay on a YouTube <laughs> rabbit hole. I will be absolutely. watching like giraffes give birth. I'm like, how did I get here? How did I get here? That's going to show up in one of your pieces. And I'm <laughs> fascinated to watch that. Your typical work day. So you do have YouTube. You do have Instagram. You do have Patreon, you, uh, which has its own set of rules for what you're supplying to your patrons. And then you also have your creative needs uh, mm-hmm. to the need to create and produce work, not just for rent, but for your own personal sense of self, I think. Right. Yep. How do you balance your day? Uh, you know, I really love my days. I'm so grateful that I get to plan them how I like. So really, I start with some sort of movement every day. I have to work out whether that's going to the gym or doing yoga here in the house. I have to move my body. It keeps me mentally sane. Um, (laughs) So usually when I'm eating breakfast, I have my coffee. I'll have a notebook. So my notebooks, that's when I write down, okay, what are the goals? For the typical artist, I'm kind of (laughs) organized. Not not really, (laughs) though. I'm not super organized, but I do have a little bit of a structure, which I think has helped me become successful. What's interesting interesting is that now I have a team. So I have a virtual assistant, Shannon, and I also have a studio assistant, Nalisha. And that has made me get even more organized because now when I have meetings with them, I have to give them assignments. And so before Uh, I even meet with them, I have to do my own homework to say, okay, what needs to be done? What needs to be delegated? So now that I can create and do whatever I want, you know? Um, So actually building a team has helped me really manage a lot of it. Uh, One thing that I didn't like was doing emails. Emails is like the bane of my existence. I don't like emails. (laughs) I don't like scheduling, like, you know, the back and forth, like, oh, what time is good for you? Like, I don't like a lot of that stuff. And so now I have studio days. So I meet with my studio assistant. It's Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So I'm usually in the studio Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. The other days I kind of ebb and flow. If I want to be there, I'm there. And then every now and again, I'll pick up my camera when I'm at my studio. You'll probably notice in my YouTube videos, it's like random days. (laughs) 
it's like, okay, today I'm painting. Today I went to your friend's studio. Today I went here. It's if I'm in a good mood and I'm feeling very bubbly or social, I'll pull my camera out to get some footage. My days are really kind of sporadic, but they have some general structure. And the general structure is every morning what needs to be done. What would you like your legacy to be? This is why I'm struggling (laughs) because (laughs) I really want to change the art industry. I really want to be associated with the fine artist icons, the Picassos, the Warhols, the Fridas. Mm, ambitious. Yeah, there is, it's very ambitious because I'm also just like, why the f- not? Like, like, why hasn't there been a Black woman in that lineup? You know what I mean? And so it's like, I want to change that. I have feelings about that myself. Of course, right? It's a deep and complex question, but it's also like in the midst of me want to do that. That's a tall order. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a tall order. So I also struggle with like, do I even want to do that? Is that necessary? (laughs) Like, who are you trying to prove? Like, what what are you trying to prove? Is this your ego? Is this your personal validation? Like, like, what is this? Why? You know what I mean? I kind of go back and forth because the people that I look up to, so like Beyonce, I love Beyonce. I'm a huge fan of hers and I'm a huge fan of hers because of her artistry, her creativity, but more importantly, her work ethic and her consistency. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even think people realize how much effort it takes to be in an industry that long. I'm sure there's probably a handful of people who don't know Beyonce. Yeah. The entire world knows her. So it's like, can you imagine the level of pressure you get the level of negative feedback the level of hate like how do you keep your sanity right like to be the type of person that she is is very inspiring i also see her work ethic and the level of mastery that she has established to be at the highest level of her craft and so that's what i really want to be like i want to be at the highest level of my craft I think that's what keeps me level. Like, okay, it's not about being the best artist to be the best artist. It's like, I just want to master what I do because I have a sense of pride in that, you know? And it's also something that I love, of course, Yeah. you know? So I would love for my legacy to be, she was the best at what she did. And the world saw that as well. You know, like I have no pride in being the best kept secret. Like, no, thank you. (laughs) Like, I I want the world to know that like she she was the goat, you know? Yeah. That's the goal. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. But here we are. It is awesome. Beyonce did it. So why not? (laughs) Yeah. What's next for you? What's next for me is the Zodiac Collection. Hmm. I've been working on a Zodiac series for years. I'm finally done with all the pieces. I'm going to show those pieces uh, at a venue soon. I'm not sure what the venue is. And all of those images are going to be printed on candles. So I'm doing wow. a limited edition candle collection release coming up next Interesting. month. All right. And they'll be able to find it on your website and through Instagram. They will be. But I think the best thing is to sign up for my newsletter. Okay. You know, small business owner, I bought them all. I didn't buy a lot because they were expensive. (laughs) So so the the first people who are going to get access to them is my patrons. And then whatever's left, the newsletter subscribers will get access. Awesome. Awesome. The last question that I bring up for everybody, and I've been introduced to so many interesting things as a result of this. Aramis, what is your comfort food at the end of the day? 
My comfort food. Um, I don't really have like a comfort food. You've been painting in the studio all day and you come yeah. home. And- you know what's crazy? I've been and I'm editing a YouTube video talking about that. I've been addicted to these chips. First of all, I'm a crunchy, salty person. Like I oh, like yeah. chips. Mm-hmm. So the new chips that I've been like damn near addicted to is it's like these Trader Joe's chili lime tortilla Ooh. rolls. They're literally like tortilla chips, but they're wrapped by this cylinder that they they like pr- pretty much roll like a joint. OK, it's like <laughs> it's rolled up so you can get an extra crunch. It is super oh, wow. crunchy. They're spicy. They're, it's a chili lime. They're delicious. I've been having to not eat them because like, like whenever I find myself getting too close to something and consuming too much, I have to pull back because I don't like feeling like I'm addicted to something. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so. mm-hmm. So yeah, I would I would have to say the Trader Joe's chili lime. Okay. <laughs> That's the first time we've had chips on the show. I like that. So, I, I love chips. I love jalapeno, like jalapeno salt and vinegar, crunchy kettle cooked chips. Mm. Yeah, I'm a I'm a chip okay. crunchy person for sure. <laughs> all right, all right. Wow, I really appreciate you listening to this episode of Cherry Bomb the Podcast, the companion piece to Sweet Blast, which can be found at theartofmattmckee.com. Today's guest is the amazing Aramis Hamer. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. She's on Instagram at A.O. Hamer. On Patreon at patreon.com slash A.O. Hamer. And you can also check out her video log from the studio on YouTube. You can check out the show notes at theartofmattmckee.com for all the links and subscribe to my newsletter for updates on the site. You can reach me for questions or comments on Twitter at McKeePhoto or on Instagram at McKee underscore photo. This episode of Cherry Bomb the Podcast could not have been done without the help of Suzanne Schultz and CanvasFineArts.com, the specialist in coaching for creatives and editing by Bill Shamlian at Orb Sound. Thanks for listening and let's start the conversation.